Hi, this is James Mercer from The Shins. This is Shirley Manson. This is Lowe Tolhurst, co-founder of The Cure. This is Huey Lewis giving you the story behind the song. The story behind the song is back with an exciting second season. We peel back the layers on music's most iconic hits with legendary artists like The Killers, Heart, The B-52s, Violent Femmes, Jewel, Huey Lewis, Modern English, and more. To keep the music flowing, we'll be sprinkling in classic episodes from our archives between each new one. So check out the story behind the song wherever you get your podcast. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. I'm Lior Phillips, host of This Must Be The Gig. We're a weekly podcast that documents everything about the world of live music. Speaking with choreographers, costume and set designers, the people who run beloved venues and festivals, and, of course, speaking with musicians about that one gig that changed their lives. Get your peek behind the curtain at consequenceofsound.net, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. It's easy to hear your favorite artist on WFPK from wherever you are. Listen on your smart speaker, live stream from our website at wfpk.org from Louisville Public Media. Consequence Podcast Network. And welcome to another edition of Kyle Meredith with the interview series presented by WFPK at WFPK.org. Consequence of Sound and the Consequence Podcast Network. Thank you so much, as always, for making your way here, checking out this episode and the series. Uh, If you're not already, I I hope that you like what you hear enough to hit the subscribe button. We put out three new interviews every single week, a brand new one every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. It's a great way to keep up with all of your favorite artists, discover some new ones maybe, and uh, and really just know what's happening in the music world. Now, of course, uh, you can find us at all the major spots. That includes iTunes, Apple Podcast, uh, Spotify, YouTube, or a lot of the video versions of these interviews live, Acast, or wherever you get your podcasts from. And I'm Kyle Meredith. Uh, this week, and in fact, this whole month, we're actually running special episodes, the best of 2020. Some of my favorite interviews, some of the most uh, watched or listened to interviews throughout the year. And we're going to be releasing a new episode uh, this month only, just every single Wednesday, as we look back at what was a really weird year, but still included tons and tons of great music. That always seems to be the thing, right? Uh, Even in the worst of times, we lean in on the music to help us get us through. And the artist's They come through for us every single time, it seems like. So this episode, we're going to be uh, talking to the bands, or revisiting uh, moments that I talked to the artists, Hollywood Dead, LP, uh, Paul Stanley of Kiss, Avril Lavigne, Jaden, and Evanescence. And in fact, we'll start with Amy Lee of Evanescence. This uh, was recorded back at the beginning of 2020. In fact, in the uh, the full-length interview, she talks about the upcoming tour that she was looking forward to, as every musician at that time was, obviously not knowing what was in store. But they were they were in the studio. They were working on a brand-new record. They had just put out a cover of Fleetwood Mac's The Chain, uh, ended up on a video game. 
And so I caught her at this one moment where the album wasn't finished. She was working on her part of it. She was working on those lyrics. They said they only had a few days left in the studio. It was really an interesting moment, you know, right at that last second, right before the songs that you've been working on for so long go from being just fragments to be the creation that we all connect with, uh, that fans, you know, start somewhat building their lives and personalities around to a point. So uh, here we go. We'll jump into this uh, Kyle Meredith with Evanescence in this part two of Best of 2020. I have been through a lot with this band. Like, from the early days, you know, it's funny. People always gravitate towards the drama, right? (laughs) (laughs) Um, And very early in our career, like, it was was very tumultuous. Um, It's not an easy thing keeping a band together. It's a really rare and special thing when you have a band of people together that all are focused together and respect each other and work well together and work like a functional, semi-functional family. And it's been a long road getting to where we're at now. And I absolutely do feel that love for my band and that respect that not only that I have for them, but that they have for me, which means everything to me. I don't, at this day, I'm 38. I don't think I could work (laughs) in a world where it wasn't that way anymore. Life's too short. So, I mean, just, just for that, like for the strength of it and, and, and to, to say it in terms too, that it's not like, okay, all the problems are solved. Everything's perfect. It means that it takes work to keep a relationship together. And I think that that, that knowledge and that understanding and that mutual respect is just something that we all appreciate very much. And we all work for, and it just felt really good to, to come together this way for the song. But I want to kind of create that feeling. I miss that feeling that true singles used to create when everybody didn't just listen to music at their own pace. Mm-hmm. Like we were all together listening to one song at a time. And I also don't want to make people wait anymore. Um, and I don't really want to wait anymore to play new music. So <laughs> if we release one here and there as we go, you know, a couple months apart over the course of the year, then it kind of gives us both, you know? Right. I want to scratch every itch. <laughs> and I also want to like, and I don't mean that in terms of like what people already know and want. I want to scratch my own itches. Like, I really want to do all the things that feel awesome and <laughs> just put that all out there. I don't know if that makes any sense, but it's fun. We're having a lot of fun so far, and I, I'm I'm at that point where we just have, like, two days, and then we're going to be in there. So I'm, like, cramming to finish lyrics. Like, no, this isn't enough. It has to be, like, my whole soul and every bit. So um, this is the part where I'm frustrated, and then it all comes together, and I'm like, oh, yes. It was just part of my process. Now, one of the more surprising interviews that uh, that I had this year was with a guy named Jaden Hostler. He goes by Jaden, spelled J-X-D-N. Uh, I, I say surprising because, one, uh, he's sort of brand new to music. He's been uh, really big on TikTok for the last couple of years, built up quite a fan base over there. Uh, and so he made a turn. He decided to do some music. He, he met up with Travis Barker, or rather Travis Barker, I think, reached out to him. Travis Barker from Blink-182 was Travis's very first signee to his brand new record label. And then Jaden started releasing music. We talked right after, I think, the second, maybe third single had arrived at the interview. And then, oh my God, I, this is my moment, I guess, where I become the old guy of just underestimating how big a fan base uh, TikTok brings over to, to the music world. <laughs> because, uh, wow, Jaden's fans, super amazing out there and, and, and super into uh, checking out uh, anything that he's talking about. We had the most touching conversation. He told me about uh, growing up in the South and, and what that meant uh, as far as learning uh, who to be and, and how to be a good human. It really all added up to a conversation that I wasn't expecting to happen. 
but that I was so grateful uh, that we did. Division was just like a big part of how I grew up. You know, no one ever worked together. Um, everyone just seemed to hate each other. And I, I, you know, felt like I was a part of that for a long time. So at this moment, I felt like, wow, dude, like I, I really found out my destiny because this is this is what's going to bring the world together. You know what I mean? This is how powerful music can be. Because growing up in the South, everyone's pretty judgmental with that aspect. You know, it's either you believe this or you, you get casted out. You know, you're an outcast. And I was, not that I ever, like, I still believe, like, I'll tell you that openly, like I, I do, I, I love what I believe, but it's not in the judgmental sense at all. Like, I, I think everyone is entitled to their own beliefs. You know, when I grew up, I didn't think that. And now I believe that, you know, love is what leads people to change, not judgment. Like, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Like, it, for anyone to cast anyone out for any sort of reason is absolutely stupid and absolutely um, the opposite of what I believe. And so it, it's been really fun and kind of beautiful because my parents were the most supportive people in my life. Like, absolutely the best people um, I've ever met genuinely would do anything for them um and they've been the most accepting coming out here because it is a very different world you know like i remember at my high school like my principal i just got my ears pierced and he told me i wasn't going to be able to graduate if i had my ears pierced and i was in line with my cap and gown on and i just got them done the day before because i just got back from la um almost tried to suspend me because i got my nails painted uh like all that type of style of stuff you know what i mean and so coming out to la Got my ears pierced, you know, started getting a lot of tattoos, started like dyeing my hair a bunch of different colors. My parents were just with me the whole time, dude. And they, they've just shown so much love. And that's the love I'm trying to show to everyone in the world. Because that's that's the love that, you know, ultimately gets people where they need to be. Like that's that's how people should act. And my parents are a great representation of that. So I grew up like listening to like classic rock type of stuff with my dad. But I grew up in the South, you know, and it, it, we everyone out there, once you get to middle school and high school, is like, listen to trap music, that's it. And so I, I didn't really get to branch off into that. But as soon as I moved out to L.A., I started talking to this girl named uh, Mads Lewis, who we started dating a while back. And uh, she's a huge Blink fan. So, yeah, I like it's really funny, the timing of everything <laughs> just like fit in perfectly. And I became like a huge Blink fan. Also like Green Day, Five Finger Death Punch. But And we always talked about Travis Barker because her and her dad just like loved him. And so the fact that, you know, I ended up working with him is crazy. And actually on Comatose, before I even like met Travis, before any of that happened, uh, me and my producers used Travis's drum kit on Splice. Oh, wow. Yeah. And so we didn't even like, obviously I had no idea any of this was going to happen. And then Travis didn't even know that it was his own drum kit. <laughs> like whenever he listened to the song, and we were like, yo, this is you. He was like, what? That's crazy. It's part two of the best of 2020 interviews here on Kyle Meredith with, uh, if you missed part one, by the way, go check that out wherever you get your podcast from. We've got that up there. Centering more on indie rock with folks like uh, Ed O'Brien from Radiohead, Stephen Malcolmus from Pavement, Paul Banks from Interpol, and so much more. Now, continuing here, Avril Lavigne had released a record back at the end of 2019 called Head Above Water. When the pandemic hit, she had took one of her singles from uh, that album called Warrior and transformed it into a song in tribute to the frontline uh, workers called uh, We Are Warriors, which Avril will tell you all about here. So I initially wrote Warrior about my own health battle um, with Lyme disease a few years back. And now that we're going through what we're going through in the world with COVID-19, you know, just like seeing all of the frontline workers, they, um, what they're doing and how they're all stepping up and holding the world together, they are the warriors of today. So after my tour got canceled, I was like 
trying to figure out something that I could do just like musically or creatively to give back. So I took the song Warrior, re-recorded it, changed it to We Are Warriors in honor of the frontline workers, did all that from home and put together a like a powerful music video using current footage of what's going on today. And the proceeds of the song to We Are Warriors goes to Project Hope and in supplying PPE for medical workers around the world. How have you found out to make an anthem personal? Because that can't be an easy thing. That's because I guess because I'm writing my songs and I write my songs, especially like this last album, Head Above Water, it was just like so about like so personal. All my songs like are, but this is on a very deep level of like what I was going through in my life at that time. Like my album, the Head Above Water album was so healing for me. And like, I didn't know if I would be doing music anymore with like what I had gone through with like my health struggle. And I came out turning to music and, and like writing songs without even trying to write them. So like Head Above Water and Warrior were the first two songs I wrote that were just like on my heart. It's about me fighting and trying to survive what I was going through. And like the beauty of music is that it can mean different things to different people. And like with this song Warrior, it's taking on a whole new life of its own. And it's like now has a whole new meaning with like what's going on in the world today. And that's, that's what I do. I just turn to, to music and I, I write about what I'm going through. I'm a strong person and I like to have the message of strength in my music so that I can look at the situation in, in the eye and keep moving forward. And that's how we have to be in life, like through different things we go through, whether it's like troubles in a relationship or like with your health or like whatever it is, you're trying to figure out what direction you're going in your life or not. And like, I like my message to my fans to be inspirational so that people can like feel good and get strength and and like and it encourage them and that's what I love about We Are Warriors is I hope that it there's some inspiration in there for people during this time in the world that people I hope that it brings I hope that it brings hope <laughs> <laughs> and um, makes people feel good and encourages people and just sort of also just really wanted to express and show my gratitude and honor the um, frontline workers. Part two of the best of 2020. Now, this is probably the most recent interview. In fact, it, it actually was. This was the last interview that I did for the year. And it's with the band KISS. Lead man Paul Stanley, as the legendary group, are getting ready for their uh, their final show of the year. It's a New Year's Eve show that they're going to be doing virtually from Dubai. Now, you think virtually, you've seen all the, uh, you know, the, the, the living room concerts that people have been doing from their own houses, bedroom shows or whatever. KISS doesn't do that. In fact, they said, you know what? We're actually going to do the biggest show of our career. We're going to go to Dubai, one of the most extravagant cities in the world. And we're going to bring a million dollars worth of pyrotechnics. And we're going to blow this year out. In fact, they're calling it Kiss 2020 Goodbye for a lot of obvious reasons. The obvious reasons that Paul Stanley will be talking about here. What I took away from this, what surprised me, is what a positive person Paul Stanley is. Uh, in fact, uh, if you need a therapist, if you need a life coach, uh, you can look no further than the star child himself. My whole philosophy of life has always been not why, but why not? And um, look, we've all come through 2020 and nobody has been unscathed. 
Some people have been inconvenienced and other people have been devastated. What this has done to the economy, to people's health, to loved ones, to, uh, you know, basically all walks of life has been uh, just excruciating. So here we are at the end of 2020 and we're looking forward to some light at the end of the tunnel. We see a vaccine coming, but um, I think more than ever, it's a great time to celebrate uh, where we are. Uh, it's not a crime to be jubilant and have a great time in the midst of this because uh, God knows we need it. So I try to tell people that now more than ever, we need each other. And there's, uh, it's not a weakness to reach out to other people. Um, it, it comes from strength and it, it's life affirming to see a community of people come together. I've always seen us uh, in an arena or stadium as being our environment to kind of speak about community, speak about the power of rock and roll, the, the, the power of self-empowerment uh, of the individual and what you can accomplish on your own and what you can accomplish in a group. KISS goes so far beyond being a band with fans because unlike a lot of other bands where if you see your younger brother at the show, you're embarrassed this is like the biggest communal secret society of black sheep. So when you see your neighbor or you see your dad or you see anybody else there, it's a feeling of empowerment. And um, I like to feel that in some ways I lead that. It's the, the purer aspects of being evangelical without all the other stuff thrown, thrown in. I'm a big believer that on its worst day, life's a miracle. And... Um, People talk about glasses half full, half empty. I think the glass is always overflowing. And maybe we need to be reminded of that sometime. Uh, really how, how amazing and miraculous life is. And uh, that, you know, as they say, the, uh, before the, the light comes, it's darkest. The darkest hours before the dawn. So mm. with all that said and done, New Year's Eve is, is, is special. It's a time, I think, uh, whether or not you're making resolutions for the next year, I think you can look back on, on the year that's passed and think to yourself, you know, what can I do in the future better? Losing weight? Nah, that, that, that's not that important. But um, we can make the world a better place. And I really believe that COVID has shown a lot of people the power of community and the power that we have to give each other strength and and to to not feel isolated. You're entitled to have the best life that you can create for yourself uh, as long as you don't damage anyone else in the, the process. So if I can be up there being a cheerleader for that, I'm only singing about it because I've lived it. And I'm not Yoda, but I'm, I, I can certainly tell you that um, life is what you make it. The playing field isn't even, and everyone doesn't get the same breaks, but you'll find out how important success is to you by how hard you're willing to work to achieve it. And it's worth the, it's worth the, the price. You know, it's, it's uh, you know, when, when people say, well, that's not fair. Well, life isn't fair. 
but it's yours for the for the taking. Best of 2020 here on Kyle Meredith with the singer LP returned with a, a new single as she finishes up her next album and dropped a live record earlier in the summer. Lots of artists doing live records this year, obviously, as uh, no touring has been happening. It's been, a, it's been an interesting thing to take the place of that. I know I've enjoyed plenty of them, but we got to talk about that. In fact, it was, um, it was a Live in Moscow album, which I thought was uh, interesting only considering the political nature of the world which uh, is part of our conversation here. I am a rock opera. In, like, I mean, no question about it. That's how I, I, I don't necessarily like advertise that because I don't feel like I have to, for one. I, but I do think that when you see my live show, that's what you get, you know? Like, I'm like a rock artist, really, but in this kind of like alternative-ish, pop-ish, kind of like operatic bend to the vocal-ish thing and um the the nature of how i sing must dictate that but it's also there's like a big you know anthemic bend to like a lot of the songs Mm -hmm. what i was trying to convey especially with like releasing a a moscow record is that you know music goes down all over the world man you know it's like and and people appreciate music all over the world i mean you know when i first started like doing well um in russia people were like really you you're doing well in Russia. like you everyone's cool with you in russia i was like yeah i think they are you know so i stick to the music you know mm-hmm. i stick to people i care about people um and music and i you know and i i do care about politics of course but i do believe that you know when i look at my own country and i look at like all the good people in it and i look at what like and and i and i'm aware of what's going on and then I see all the other sides of people that I don't care for and, and, you know, and who's in charge, I can separate it. You know, I can separate people that I relate to that um, have, uh, you know, that we are just enjoying music together, even if they're not like-minded when they leave the, the venue, you know, it's, it's just like something that I choose to kind of cultivate and believe in that like we can all connect on a certain level, even if we don't connect on other levels. And maybe we do as well connect mm-hmm. on those levels, but it's like not something that I'm personally willing to uh, delineate as far as music goes. Like I feel like that's what culture, that's what art is about, is uh, another tier of connection for us when we are, you know, often just absolutely like you know separated by our our leaders and you know also sometimes by our personal beliefs. But I think that I'm trying always to. Um, find a way out the window with music toward, you know, the goodness in myself and others. So to me, it's like a perfectly great and timely thing to do as far as like just to remember that, you know, someone like me can like get 6,000 people in a room to listen to my music, even in the current, you know, state of the world. And, and I can get even more in the room. You know, I could have done that a couple of nights, you know, and it's, it's mind blowing to me and it's a, I think it's inspiring to me and to, I hope other people, you know, and there's people wanting experiences in other countries that are not something that they get to see all the time. We'll wrap up this part two of the best of 2020 with Hollywood Undead. I got on the phone with Johnny Three Tears and along with talking about all of their new music, of course, uh, we really got into what it means to be uh, a metal band, the state of the metal scene and the metal community. A really insightful interview to close out this episode. If you're going to write like a heavy song progression wise, you're probably not going to, you know, 
sing the Here's Come the Sun type lyrics or something like along that line. But I've always loved the contradiction in music. Nine Inch Nails did this to perfection to me where they'd have these really like circusy type sounds. And like it was almost like if you stripped the, the lyrics or the vocal quality, you'd think you were watching like a movie or something. But then he counterimposed it with really, really dark stuff. And I love that. I love that, how the oxymoronic nature of songs like that. So I think that kind of nasty happens naturally but we certainly don't try you know we have like a song called bullet would be a good example where the music is very major it's very chipper and then the song is about suicide and i love that the way those things bounce off each other you know because it kind of messes with your head because you're expecting to hear you know deep down subconsciously you're expecting to hear something else and so when you hit someone with something that has nothing to do with the sound of the music itself i've always loved that that's something that always at least i enjoyed so we'll do that so I don't think the musical qualities to predict what the, the song will be about. Although, if a song's very heavy, you're typically going to lean in that direction because, you know, your testosterone levels go up, bro, and you just want to rage. So there are those levels. And the testosterone levels were from injections, not just natural, bro, <laughs> like I covered earlier in the interview. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, so, you know, you know I, I think it does, it, does, uh, it does affect what you're saying. There's no doubt about it, but I, I certainly don't think it's conscientious, you know. Okay, metal is kind of, has always been a sleeper music in a sense. So a lot of people, because the mainstream itself does not embrace the metal, metal community, unless you're Metallica. You know, outside of that, there's not a lot of representation in pop culture. So a lot of people think it, it doesn't exist. But I'll tell you something, and I know this just from being in the music business for a long time, you can go see... A, a rapper, for instance, uh, with a number one single at pop, and there'll be 200 people there. The metal community always existed. You go to a metal show, dude, there's, there, the places are always packed. People always want to see it. It's actually, you know, it's always been a great live outlet as far as going to shows and people who are really involved with music that aren't just listening to it on their drive home, but live it. So I think metal is now just kind of getting its recognition for what it's always been. I don't so much think it has gone away. I think it was always there and people have kind of been forced to embrace it because it's not going away. Even though I'm sure there's a lot of people who don't understand it, who don't get it, who just don't understand the rage or those feelings or haven't embraced that side of themselves yet where they let metal in. But I think it's always been there. I don't think it was ever gone. And I understand the growing aspect of it, but that really is more of a recognition of what's always been there as opposed to it just kind of came out of left field and everybody loves metal now. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. Um, is a part of that community, it's always existed. It never went anywhere. Sometimes things, I think, you know, popular music has certainly taken a turn towards more pop-driven, and hip-hop has grown exponentially. And, you know, that was like underground music for a long time. And even mainstream rap artists, you know, like you take Nas or the Wu-Tang, it was a pocket music. It's not like, you know, 40-year-olds are listening to this stuff. Now, you know, there's tons of people who will listen to mainstream rap artists that are saying the same things, but somehow it became more socially acceptable. And metal, I think, is important to culture because no other music provides, especially young people, with the outlet they need. They're not going to get it singing about their ex-boyfriend or whatever these guys are talking about selling OZs and the projects and shit. And I get it, but people need an outlet for the angst that every Everybody has, and I think metal has a very big responsibility, toward, especially towards young people. So I take it seriously. I'm glad that it's getting the recognition it deserves, but metal never went anywhere. If you don't believe in your music, I can almost assure you that no one else will. So 
I think it's important for bands to have that freedom to move forward, take it or leave it. Obviously, that's up to the listener. You, you certainly aren't. You're not going to be reprimanded for not liking something we do. Um, people tell us some of our stuff sucks all the time. I mean, I hear it regularly at our own meet and greets. Hey, you know, I really don't like this record. Wow. It's like okay, like it doesn't insult me. I've written, we've written plenty of songs that I think are horrible. So I'm not going to even side with myself. <laughs> like, yeah, it could have been better, but. You know, these are all like units of time, and in moments you think things are great, and then two years later you might go, oh, that, we could have done that better, and it's one of those things. Music is trial by fire, dude. You know, it's one of those things where you're given like 30 days to create something with very little time to think about what you're doing. It's all instinct and it's all emotion. So you, as your emotions change, as your instinct changes, so will that music. And it's just one of those things, but I think if, if people like music, they should certainly, uh, you don't have to listen to something, you shouldn't, certainly shouldn't lambast people for trying new things and trying to keep things interesting you know i know a lot of people think that way you know especially with our band because we experiment so much uh people call you know they, they they don't like what we do because it's all over the place or we can't be like boxed in with something but isn't that the whole purpose of music is like dude we have so many of these different things available to us it's like living with one arm tied behind your back. Like, I feel bad for a lot of metal bands. You have to write metal. You don't have a choice. You can't go write a pop song. Hollywood and Dead has always kind of bounced between pop and rap and, you know, straight hip-hop stuff to rock stuff. And so and that might have held us back in certain ways. But at least I know, like, I, we can go in the studio and literally there's a no, a no no answer to anything. We'll play a banjo, you know, we'll put harmonica, he, he claps, this, that. It doesn't matter what we do. And then we could play super heavy D stuff. So that's one of the reasons I like being in the band that I'm in is the, the, the horizon is kind of open. And um, some people like it, some people don't. But at least we, we believe in what we do, which is really actually at the end of the day the most important factor. you got to kill something to make it grow again. I, the, like, there, you know, uh, Plato used to talk about this, not to get too heady, but if something isn't growing or dying, you can't hold still in the universe. You're either growing or you're dying. The rock bottom, the foundation is where you should always build something from. So in order to build something new, we're always trying to, like, topple our past record. We're always building. We write a record. Okay, let's expand on that. Let's build off of that. And what I, you, you end up in this really tall, like, house that's kind of leaning over because everything that precedes it is under it. And I really wanted to kind of do away with all of that and say, look, let's get in the studio and pretend we've never written anything. What would we write without going, oh, we already wrote a song like this, or we already did something similar, or you know, let's expand on this because this song did well at radio or whatever the, the case may be. I really just wanted to take it back to like year zero and kind of go, hey, what would we do if we had done nothing prior? And that's kind of what happened with New Empire, for better or for worse. You, there's no telling at this moment, like how that's going to be received. But we like the record. So if someone else doesn't, at least I'm self-assured in the fact that I do. Um, obviously, you always want your fans to listen to music. You always want new people to go, oh, dude, I got to check this out. This band's dope. You, you, anybody who says different is lying. Um, everybody wants their fans to to care about something. We're all sensitive little pussies at the end of the day where we make music, dude. We're, you know, So I don't like hearing that something sucks, but it comes with the territory. You can't make something for everybody. So we kind of just, like I said, we went back to year zero, ground zero, and said, okay, what would we do now if five didn't exist, if swan songs didn't exist, if American tragedy didn't exist? 
and that's what we came up with. And hopefully, you know, hopefully people like it. And if they don't, I understand. No hard feelings. And that's it. Part two of the best of 2020 concludes. Uh, thanks to all of my guests on this one. That includes uh, Johnny Three Tears from Hollywood Undead right there, as well as LP, Paul Stanley from Kiss, Avril Lavigne, Jaden, and Amy Lee of Evanescence. And again, if you missed part one, that includes Steve Amalcomus of Pavement, Ed O'Brien from Radiohead, uh, Paul Banks of Interpol, also King Cruel, the band Sparks, and Buzz Osborne from the Melvins. That's up at uh, Consequence of Sound, WFPK.org, or wherever you like to get your podcasts from. In fact, it's with that in mind that I'll try to entice you once again to hit that subscribe button if you're not already, because uh, regularly, outside of these best of episodes, we do put out three new interviews every single week, one Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Great way to keep up with all of those uh, favorite artists and what they're up to and discover some new ones and just know what's happening around in the music world. iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Acast, YouTube, anywhere you get your podcast from. Then after that, head over to WFPK.org. That's where I do a show Monday through Friday, 6 p.m. Eastern. An hour full of song premieres and music news, anniversary spins, bonus interviews. Again, Monday through Friday, 6 p.m. Eastern at WFPK.org. Consequence of Sound has your music and film news. You can also find me on the social media spots, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, all three of them, at Kyle Meredith. And I do hope you like and follow along there as well. That does it for another edition. I'm Kyle Meredith. I'll see you next time. Consequence Podcast Network. I'm Lior Phillips, host of This Must Be the Gig. We're a weekly podcast that documents everything about the world of live music. Speaking with choreographers, costume and set designers, the people who run beloved venues and festivals, and, of course, speaking with musicians about that one gig that changed their lives. Get your peek behind the curtain at consequenceofsound.net, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. It's easy to hear your favorite artist on WFPK from wherever you are. Listen on your smart speaker, live stream from our website at WFPK.org from Louisville Public Media. Welcome to another round of Drawing Board or Miro Board. Today we discuss technical diagramming with systems architect Maya. Let's go. First question. You've spent 10 hours slogging over a sequence diagram that should have taken five. Drawing Board or Miro Board? Drawing Board. And if I'm being honest, Miro would probably cut that time down by half. You know, with its AI tools and ready-to-go templates. Next, your diagrams become so bulky, it's more complex than the solar system. But all it takes is a few clicks and... It's Miro. I've used those technical shape packs way too many times. And stuff is just digestible on its infinite online canvas. Now, the final question. Everyone's brought in. But you have to make all these tasks all the way over in Jira. But wait, it's done. Is it... Miro. Easy with its two-way Jira sync. Easy to plot dependencies. Everyone always knows what's up. And she's done it. Join over 60 million people creating technical diagrams without workflow glitches. Get your first three boards for free at Miro.com. That's M-I-R-O.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. 
Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.